It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. It's grandma. You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you. She was a very difficult woman, which maybe explains me. I recognize you from your mother. What? Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. She isn't gone. Hey, everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today the guys had me watch a horror movie that I had never seen before because it's October and it's Halloween season. <laughs> so why not? I think it was actually Devin's call to watch this. So I'm going to throw it over to Devin. All right. So today we watched a movie that I apparently can't pronounce. It is called Hereditary. I've been calling it Heredity the entire week. I don't know why. I don't even know if that's a word, but I've been doing it all week. Uh, it is a 2008 movie by director Ari Aster, who is slowly becoming one of my favorite directors, too, uh, now that I learn a little bit more about this movie, because I did a lot of research on this last night. Uh, this movie stars Tony Collette, Millie Shapiro, and Alex Wolf of Jumanji fame. Um Oh, okay. Yeah, and this—that's why he looked familiar. <laughs> yeah, he's one of—he's one of those faces that you're like, I know I've seen you before. Where have I seen you? Yeah, you said 2008. It's 2018. Did I say eight? I yeah. meant 18. I even have 18 written down. For, just so everyone at home knows, we we usually record this at like nine o'clock at night. We're recording this at eight o'clock on a Monday morning, so there's going to be little mistakes like that. It's so. A bit early. Because yeah. they even have 18 written down. Top but, of the morning to you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this movie is described by the cast and crew, first and foremost, as a family drama. Uh, and that's really what they were going for. The point of it was that they wanted it to be a family drama that slowly descended into Nightmare. So <laughs> that's the movie. I've seen the movie. Um, I saw it actually like a month ago. So it wasn't too, too long when I first saw this movie. Uh and I'm going to kind of reserve my opinion of it um, till later, but uh, I'm going to shoot it over to Ryan. Ryan, when did you see this movie last? Uh, well, I the last time I saw it was last night. Um, oh, yeah. Because my, my wife loves this movie. She's seen it like five mm-hmm. times. Um, and she's the one that actually got me hooked on it. And she, she always watches movies first because she has a different taste than I do. And if she thinks I like it, she'll like be like, hey, I really think you'll like this. And she's almost always right. So the first time I saw this was about like maybe like six months ago, four months ago. And it blew me away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I was impressed. I'm, I still am impressed. I saw a ton of stuff in it the second time that I never caught the first time that I want to bring up. So yeah. Good. <laughs> All right, so let's go over to Alan. Alan, uh, what did you think? <sighs> you guys, you guys know I'm not big on horror. I like the suspense aspect of this. Um, are we getting into spoilers right away? You know what? Why not? Let's okay, do it. Spo- let's yeah. Let's spoilers get it. for Hereditary. You guys know I have a thing about neck and head injuries. <laughs> that was like I, this movie. <laughs> I totally forgot about well, that. I totally the, I did only, too. the only one that made me I, I actually screamed at my TV when uh she hit the pole. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> Um So other than that, I enjoyed it. I have questions about the end because I don't think it went the way I thought it would. Um, because I, I had a feeling I knew where it was going because I had seen the skeleton key. Um, but I enjoyed it. It's weird. Um, I kind of want to watch Midsummer now because I don't know what that's about either. So. I, I've done a good job of avoiding this movie as long as I could, so it worked out for me watching it now, not knowing a thing about it. 
Yeah, I mean, to your point, Midsummer is a movie that I really do want to watch soon in the future. Have you seen it, Ryan? Um, the Midsummer is one of those movies that, like, whenever I see like a like a like a a convoid a con, I can't talk. Um, <laughs> like a cult type thing. Like whenever yeah. I see a movie like that, the the first thing I think of is Wicker Man, and I automatically get turned off on it. But sure. I didn't realize that Not the guy, the yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that that this guy made both of these movies, and now that I know that, I'm actually interested in Midsummer. So I might actually watch that now. So yeah. uh, it, it it'll, it'll probably sooner than later because I think Kristen's seen it, and I think she might have liked it. But I'm not entirely sure. I got I got I got to talk to her. So. That's pretty cool. Now, the one thing I did want to talk about was, did you guys expect the movie? I know we got Alan's answer. Brian, did you expect the movie to go the way that it did in the end? Well, before I saw before I saw it for the first time, Kristen gave me some stuff. Like, she told me about, like, that there were some really disturbing parts in it. And that, um, because the first thing I always ask about a horror movie, like, is it a Scooby-Doo thing or is it an actual like supernatural thing? And she said, no, it's an actual supernatural thing. I'm like, okay, great. I'll watch it. Um, Cause I hate it when they build and build and build to be supernatural. And it's not like type thing. Um, so I knew it was going to be a supernatural. I did not think they were going to do hail King Payman or Pyman <laughs> and like the eighth King of hell, like type thing. And I, 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 I loved it because there's so much at the end of the movie that you can like watch it over and over and over again and just dissect. And I love that about this. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see the ending coming either when I saw it. Like I didn't, I don't know. I figured it was like a ghost or a poltergeist. I didn't see it being a cult movie. And I have a little bit of a rough history with this movie because as soon as I saw it, I knew some people in my improv group had seen it and I immediately texted them. I said, Oh my gosh, guys, hereditary is amazing. I loved it. And one person responded with, Oh man, I knew you would. And I said, yeah, I didn't expect it to be a cult in the end. And then everyone else from my improv group got mad at me because I ruined the movie for them because no one else had seen it. They were apparently all just going along with the conversation. So now I feel bad. Sorry, guys, if you're listening. That's on them for not saying don't spoil it. This happens a lot with me where I just spoil a movie because no one's told me they haven't seen it. And then they get mad at me for spoiling the movie. So I will say I avoided spoilers for this pretty well. Okay. But I feel like I saw the dinner table scene once before. And completely forgot about it. How did you like, see it before? I don't know. I don't know if it like came up during like award season or something and I watched it, but I remember that scene and I completely forgot about it being from this movie. I could definitely I remember her yelling about yelling at him about stuff and him yeah. yelling back. I could definitely see that being high uh, I could definitely see that being highlighted for like an achievement piece, you know, like as kind of, you know, like during like, I don't know, like a, like a news session or like a documentary or something about, you know, like, Hey, this is a really good performance from 2018. Like this is a really good scene. I could definitely see that. Cause that was really well done. Well, I looked up a bunch of awards for the movie and it looks like it didn't win too many like big awards. Like it didn't win any like Oscars or anything, but it did win a lot of like local stuff. Like I think it was like the St. Louis movie achievement award or something like that. And like, yeah, that's where I got that from actually was your hat. (laughs) Um, And uh, like Tony Collette like swept all those little ones because she was phenomenal in this movie. What's your favorite Tony Collette performance? I mean, that's a good question. She's in Step Brothers, right? Is that her? Is she? She's in a comedy that I'm thinking about, and I'm I'm pulling it up now. Nope, it's Little Miss Sunshine. That's what I'm thinking of. Little Miss Sunshine first, and then this. Okay. Hmm. Wait a minute. I just found out that she is in The Sixth Sense as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, simply because I feel like there's a connection there. I think it's kind of funny. You know, Isn't just the... she, like, Bruce Willis's wife? No, she's the kid's mom. Okay. 
which to me, I really like that connection. Like I don't, it's, it's not enough for me to like connect the movies like unofficially, but it's enough to be like, Oh cool. These movies kind of go together. Well, I think my like favorite Tony Collette fact about this movie is that prior to hereditary, she was like, I don't want to do any more heavy movies. I don't want to do anything like that's serious or has like a dark plot. All I want to do are lighthearted comedies. And then she got past this script and went, dang it, I'm doing this movie, which I really like. Like, I like that the script was good enough that it pulled her back in. Yeah. So the one thing I wanted to know is I want to know where you guys come from when it comes to horror, because this is a specific kind of horror. Like, this movie is considered kind of out there for horror fans. So I want to know where you guys are coming from, because I feel like this might be fun to set this up for the month, too. Like, Alan, what kind of horror do you enjoy, if you enjoy any at all? Okay, so I kind of enjoy horror like this, where it's something's going on, you don't quite know what, and you slowly learn more and more about what's happening, and at the end, everything is revealed. That's the kind of horror I like. Okay. I don't like the decapitation of 13-year-olds um, <laughs> without warning. Um, but be- beyond that, I like the idea of there's something going on that's hinted out throughout the film. Um, and you just slowly learn more and more about it. And then at the end, all is revealed and then bang, it ends. That's the kind of horror I like. Okay. Um, suspenseful, um, mysterious. Not really. I don't really need the blood and guts, gore stuff. Um, so I kind of like. That's kind of the reason I like the Saw movies. Is like you learn more and more. Like everything's revealed at the end. Yeah. Like you get the hello Zep moment. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that's the kind of horror I like. All right. Right. What about you, Ryan? What do you like in a horror movie? Well. Okay, so I have a question for Alan, but I'm going to say that after where I stand, because it'll make more sense at that point. Mm-hmm. So I'm, just like Alan, I like suspense. I like thrillers in my horror. I like something that kind of drags me along throughout the whole movie. Um, when it comes to genre type of horror, like, I'm all over the place, because even though I hate gore, like, I just think it's a gimmick. Like, and if a horror movie is all gore, I get bored. And to be honest, I'm not a fan of torture movies at all, because, again, I feel like that's just taking one aspect of horror and just doing it over and over and over again, which is why I don't like the Saw movies. This is why I don't like the idea of Centipede or Postal or any of that stuff. Um, And so which is why, like, I consider Saw to be straight gore. I don't consider it to be like a suspenseful, you know, dragging along at the end thing, because there is that like you don't know what's going on. You just know that these people are being like putting these positions to basically torture themselves. But to me, there's too much of that for the storyline to make up for watching somebody trying to get a thing off their head before their jaw gets ripped off or trying to pull rings out of their joints that it just it's impossible because he has one in his jaw. Like I'm. That's not my See, I, I put on my zero D glasses and just don't look at that stuff. <laughs> yeah, see, I see the thing is, I see like I can't do that. Now see the thing is I I can appreciate good gore when it's balanced out with a storyline like this movie. Like I would say the gore aspect of of hereditary is the mom sawing her own head off in the attic, um, and the girl's head being lopped off but by the telephone pole um but it's surrounded by one hell of a story and great acting and one hell of like everything that's good (laughs) about horror is in this um but yeah like i'm all over the place like i love everything from like horror comedies to like Ernest scared stupid and Shaun of the dead to movies like this um and honestly even the annabelle stuff and and the, the, the Conjuring movies, like, I consider that, like, high school horror, like, horror that's, like, cool for high school kids. It's still interesting to me. So. I mean, to your point about, like, the – I like what you brought up a little bit about the, like, 
how there was still some gore in this movie, but it was earned yeah. versus what it feels like in Saw. Just because I, I caught a quote from the director about the movie where he said that he wants to make a movie about suffering that takes suffering seriously. And I think that's true. I mean, each character in this does suffer in some way, both physical and mentally. And it doesn't feel like a Saw movie where somebody's like pulling something out of their arm and it like it hurts and they're suffering. But you're supposed to just kind of take it that they're doing that and that's okay. Like it's not you don't like feel for the characters. And I think that's a pretty big distinction to make. And I think I can see where you're drawing that line. Yeah. And that's it just I don't know that. And I think it has to do with my personal experience with like being in the hospital as a kid Mm -hmm. and like having experiences where like, eh. You know, like, not during a major surgery, it's never happened to me, but I've had, like, smaller medical procedures where they tend to knock you out for it, where the knockout stuff didn't really work. So the last thing I want to do is watch somebody else go through something similar. You literally described a nightmare of mine. That sounds horrific. Now, again, this wasn't a full-blown surgery. Mm -hmm. I was a kid. I had a port in my side that needed to drain, and Mm -hmm. it... And they had a little, like, little plastic sterilizing, like, a little sterilized piece of, like, flat plastic tubing that would mm-hmm. keep the wound open so it, it would take care of itself. Yeah. They were they were replacing that drain. Oh, man. And the knockout stuff didn't work. It was about 15 so tr- minutes of just me screaming. Like, <laughs> So you were, you for a minute there, you were like a living Capri Sun. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I mean... <laughs> Ouch! Yeah, um, it was about a four-inch piece of plastic that kept a wound mm-hmm. open that was about two inches big. In, uh, wow. In my side. And they had to take out the sutures and put new sutures in while while they were keeping the wound open and putting this thing in. And at that point, I had so much anesthesia-type medicine that the dose they gave me didn't work and they couldn't give me any more. Oof. Well, I so, feel faint. Oh boy. <laughs> well, getting getting away from that for a yeah. second. Oh jeez. Um, so Ryan, when you were talking about the kind of movies you like and don't like, you yes. said uh, you said centipede, but I think you meant human centipede. But in my yes. mind, I just can't keep. I keep picturing like the video game centipede at, at adapted to a movie, uh-huh. and it's just a horror movie for some reason. <laughs> it would work. It keeps growing. It keeps growing. Oh, I love See, that. Okay, we're writing it. That would be a good Netflix B horror movie. That's a slash comedy. Like I could definitely see a movie like that being done with the humor aspect of like Bruce Campbell versus the Shaun of the Dead. But it's like Bruce Campbell versus the Growing Centipede. All right, how did we feel? How do we feel about those kinds of horror movies though? Like the can't be like B movie on purpose ones, like Thanks Killing. Those are ones I can't stand. Those oh, are no? the horror movies that because like like Alan said. Alan said this in a past podcast. Horror mm-hmm. is easy to do. With a low yeah. budget, mm-hmm. horror is easy to do, and it's easy to forgive mistakes in those movies. Those are the kind of horror movies I don't like. I want thought, I want passion, and I want creativity in my horror. Sometimes, yeah. depending on the monster or the villain, I can kind of let that go and be like, oh, okay, well, this is just going to be a basic ghost movie or a basic poltergeist movie. That's fine. Um, but it's got to be done like... It's it's got to hit beats and it's got to be done creatively, even if it's been mm-hmm. done a thousand times. But I can't stand that cheap B horror stuff. I mean, I get that. I mean, to the horror is easy point. I mean, this movie was done in 32 days, which like for all that it does, that's so impressive to me. Mm-hmm. All right. So I had a couple of scenes in particular that like – are now like from this movie that are now like top like three horror movie scenes I think that I've ever seen. Uh, And I won't give mine away, but I want to know, like, was there any scene in particular that either of you liked a lot or like is now your like new standard for a horror movie scene? And I'll tell you mine afterwards and and why, but uh, we'll start with, let's start with Alan. Okay. So like a, a scene that set the new standard. I mean, if it's not like if something didn't set a new standard, just a scene you liked. I mean, I hype that up a lot. I really enjoyed the scene where after the dad catches on fire, the sun comes down Mm -hmm. stairs and then like the focus changes and you see the mom just uh, hanging out like Spider-Man in the corner. (laughs) Um, 
I like I like the tone of that scene because it's like very tense and like he's not sure what's going on. You don't really see much because it's so dark, but then you see like the the old man in the doorway, and like I I really like that that scene. Yeah, um, and also the the seance around the table with the family I, I liked. Yeah, those were really cool. Ryan, what about you? Is there anything in this that like stuck out to you? There's a lot of stuff that I like in this, but I'm going to boil this down to like my two most disturbing scenes in this. Mm-hmm. Um, one is the mom upside down, slamming her head against the attic door repeatedly. That was really cool because sometimes when you try to do stuff of like somebody on the ceiling, like sometimes it doesn't really play well, but they did that right. Um, that was really good. And then I would have to, the son's reaction when he's in shock after the accident and just the realization of like him getting the quick glance in the review mirror and just his reaction to it because the disturbing part of that is how many people would have reacted the same way in complete shock of something like that happening. Well, and that's what struck me about that scene is I would probably react that way. Like, I don't know that I would pull over and get out and start screaming. I think I would just be like, I just got to make it home. I just got to make it home. Especially being a teenager. Right. And like, I don't know, for some reason that scene just felt more real than it had any right to. Mm-hmm. because of that because it was like this weird almost offbeat reaction that just felt true yeah and that's one of the things that i like about this movie is that it shows a ton of realism mixed in with the horror and that's how it works because it makes you realize be like you don't want to admit it but these are all real reactions to the stuff that's going on and people don't want to admit that people want to admit that they would do the right thing in the right situation and like here, I'll, uh, uh, a really quick quote. They are at the funeral, and the daughter, uh, Charlie, starts eating the Hershey's chocolate bar. And the mom says, does that have nuts in it? We didn't bring her EpiPen. And if you're not listening closely, you don't catch that quote. And it's one of those things where it's like, the mom forgot the EpiPen? You forgot the EpiPen for your own daughter that has a peanut allergy that's that bad? Are you nuts? But then you think about it, how many times has a family with a kid with a peanut allergy, had forgotten the EpiPen. How many times has that actually happened? And probably a lot. And so that's where it makes you feel uncomfortable from the get-go. Like, it makes you feel uncomfortable because it throws real-life facts at you that nobody wants to admit happens. Yeah. See, I missed that line about the EpiPen, but when I saw them chopping all of the nuts, I was like, that's a lot of nuts. I bet somebody's allergic to those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, see, I mean, that's one of the things where, like... I didn't catch that the first time I saw this, but Kristen told me when we were watching this, uh, like after that scene, um, I didn't hear it. And Kristen, you know, said, be like, did you hear that? And I said, heard what? And she said, oh, the daughter has a peanut allergy. They just mentioned it because she missed it the first time. So that's one of the reasons, like, I, I kind of like watching movies with her once that she knows that I would like because she'll fill me in on things that I might miss because she did. See, that stuff drives me crazy. Oh, really? I can't stand people talking to me during the movie. Oh, wow. The only reason why this works with us is because it's already been established with our, like, moving watching. Like, if we're watching something for the first time together, we don't talk to each other. If it's something, but if it's something that specifically Kristen knows that I would like, that I'm hesitant about, and she missed something the first time she saw it, she'll let me know. It's one of those things. And she only says it when there's nobody talking. So I know when she tells me something, there's nobody saying anything on screen. So we have, we have our own thing. We've been married for <laughs> almost 10 years at this point together for more than 10. So we've got it all. <laughs> so wait, was she talking almost the whole time during this movie? Cause this movie no. did this awesome job of setting up all of these very little hints that when you go back and watch it again, you're like, they gave it away in the first minute. No, but like, yeah, no, 
no, like it's one of those things where she'll only do stuff with with like important things. Like, hey, she's gonna have a peanut allergy reaction later, and this is why I'm telling you, but I'm not gonna tell you that she's gonna have a reaction. Like, she's letting me know things that'll come up later that are important, but she's, she's like, not I'm telling me those important things. Yeah, she's yeah. she's like, just you know, she, she, they just mentioned. She has a peanut allergy. Oh, why? I'm not telling you that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, can we, can we talk about the stuff that the movie sets up yeah. early on? Yeah. Because I caught a lot of it. Did you? Was, okay, yeah. Because it's very... Uh, here's, here's the hand we're playing with, and figure it out as you go. Because um, okay. it's, the, it's the letter from the mom in the book. Yeah. And it's the teacher talking about the play and how all everyone is destined everyone in the play is destined for horribleness pretty much yeah i mean those are two very big ones but they also set up a lot like they set up a lot basically and those are kind of the two major like setup moments but they keep very subtly hinting at a lot of stuff like a good example is the first time you see a light pole in the movie or telephone pole in the movie, it has that symbol etched on it very subtly. And that's the same light pole that decapitates Charlie in the movie. Oh yeah. I picked up on that too. Did you, it took me second. Yeah. It took me second watch to see that. Cause I was like, why are they showing me that light pole? I don't care. And then later I was like, Oh, it's a different light pole. She hit not the same one. <sighs> Cause that's, that's how I watch movies. I'm like, oh, I don't know why they're showing me this thing. <laughs> it's the Chekhov's gun thing. You don't, sh- you, you show it. You don't show a gun without it being used later. See, I think with something like so, a light pole, though, it's not like a gun for me. It's just like a, oh, it's an artsy shot. Got it. Next. If, it, if the camera's going along and stops on a pole, uh-huh. like that pole's going to be important. Yeah. It means something. It mean- <laughs> it's just You're like three right. And it's you like, get that joke now. I do. I love it. <laughs> it's just like three billboards. You don't focus on three billboards unless you're going to make a movie about it. <laughs> I mean, that's true. So my favorite scene in the movie, and this happens a lot, actually. So it's actually a favorite couple of scenes. Just to go back to this question quick, I loved the use of lighting in this movie. And the way that he would almost, the director, uh, would almost make your eyes adjust to see what's in the shot. And they did this a couple times. They did it once with the grandma. I think she's in the attic. I forget where she pops up, but she's like very subtly in the background and your eyes kind of adjust to her. And then they do this with Tony Collette in, um, in the son's bedroom where she's just hanging out in the corner of the room in the shadows. And if your eyes adjust to see her, she's there. And I love those scenes. Like, I just like which, that, like, non-jump scare kind of thing. Which scene, which time is she in the son's bedroom? <sighs> I'm trying to think of chronology. Um, I think it's after, I think it's after the father um, is burned and she, like, gets full-on possessed. They show him waking up in the bedroom, but when they show him waking up, it's first a wide shot and she's in the shadows in the corner. Okay, and it's one of those that apparently people miss, but like, <laughs> so we're we're watching this series on Netflix called um, right now it's it was the Haunting of Hill House and now it's like the Haunting of Bly Manor, whatever. But the point of those, or one of the cool things about it, is they hide ghosts in the background of each shot, and because of that that series, I'm now trained to look at the background of each shot. So like. Romana caught her in the corner like the second she was there. She's like, oh, look, look, look. And it's just like one of those creepy moments that they don't draw attention to, but it's still there. And I like that more than I like jump scares, I think. She's yeah, it's almost sub. Sorry. <laughs> it's almost subconscious that you look at that shot and you mm-hmm. can tell something's wrong, but you can't really tell what. Yes, exactly. Right. She's she, she's on the wall. She's doing the Spider-Man thing. And then as he's waking up, she crawls across the, the <laughs> wall out the door. Like, to me, it's almost like blatant. I guess I've seen so much of this stuff. Like to me, she sticks out like a sore thumb. But mm-hmm. I mean, um, there's that. And then was it? She comes out of the shadow at him at one point. Yeah. To chase him. Um, but it, I, I have to say, one of my favorite things about this is transitions and some of the transitions they do. So glad you um, brought this up. There's two of them that I want to. There's two of them at the beginning when they focus in on like the model home and they focus into the kid's bedroom 
and they don't even like do a blank on the screen. Like it goes focusing in on the model home to showing the kid in bed and the dad walks in um, to the uh, kid's casket, uh, Charlie's casket going into the ground and the camera goes into the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I like those transitions. Um, I feel like though, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like for how cool those transitions are, I feel like there might have been, there should have been like maybe one or two more, but I, mm-hmm. I, I like what they did with it. But, the the yeah. one that made me stop and go, wow, was after um, the sun gets thrown out the window, there's a quick day-night jump cut. Yeah. It's like same shot, day-night, and if you look quick, you can see naked cultists at night in the woods. And it's such a well done shot because it's the same. Yeah. (laughs) I like, oh my gosh. Like literally when that scene happened, I went, wow. Speaking of the naked cultists, the the first one you see in the house, the blonde guy with the really white teeth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, uh, He was the same guy who was staring at Charlie when she was staring at her dead grandmother in the, in the casket. She, uh, uh, she, uh, she, she looks Uh. up because, because like throughout this whole movie, you have the cultists are just on the outside of the family, like watching over them, like making sure they're doing what they want them to do. Because I think, uh, Charlie, when she's cutting the head off the pigeon, which I have a lot to talk about with Charlie, um, when she's talking, (laughs) when, when she's cutting the head off the pigeon, she turns around and there's that woman staring at her from, 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 from across the street she's yeah. one of the cultists like there's a ton of people in this some of the people are at that like meeting that she goes to to talk about her like grief mm-hmm. half of them are naked in the house like almost wow. o- almost half the extras they show in this end up at the house at the end of the movie that's crazy i like th- i like that attention to detail a lot all right, so uh, Alan, from like a so I talked about like the cuts, and so did uh, so did Ryan. Is there anything filmmaking wise that kind of stood out to you about the movie? Um, no, no, <laughs> it, was, it was fine. Well done. No, I I did enjoy the cuts. Uh-huh. Um, I like the idea of the the opening shot being the push in on the model home to the family in real life. Yeah, because having watched the movie pretty much they're being played with like their dolls with the cult, like the cults controlling everything that happens to them. Mm-hmm. So they're like their own toys pretty much. Um, so I like the idea of the, the push in being both a stylistic choice and a meaningful choice. Uh-huh. If that makes sense. Uh, I like that idea. Um, yeah. I, I like all the transitions in this as well. Um, yeah. Okay. So there was one part that when I was doing research, I didn't pick up on and I would like read facts about it and went, okay, but I figured you guys will catch on to this a lot more than I will. So they kept focusing a lot in facts about the soundtrack and the score to the movie, probably more specifically the score um, to the point where somebody even said that the score is like an extra character in the movie. Uh, I didn't catch it. Did either of you catch anything like that? I mean, I know that you guys are better at listening for stuff like this than I am. I mean, I don't think I, if you asked me to sing the score to this, I can't, (laughs) I think in horror, it did what it's supposed to do and just elevate the drama and the, the suspense of everything. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was there. I didn't really notice it. And I think in horror, it really needs to do that. You don't want like a John Williams fanfare in something like this. <laughs> For me, this is probably one of my favorite scored movies. And you guys both know how I am with movie music. Like it's just, it's there. And sometimes I catch it. Sometimes I don't like, it's just, it's part of the feel, but no, I totally agree with that. Like the yeah. music in this was almost its own thing. And typically horror has like the horns and like the startleness, like it, it, it goes hands in hand, it goes hand in hand, you know, but it was different. Like it was a different sound. Like you still had that, that like dramatic, like, you know, like, uh, like Donda, like in Jaws type deal or like the, um, 
like in those B horror movies, you get like the really loud horns for no reason to like make try to make you feel uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Like the these were a different tone. Like I don't know if they went for like um uh you know a, a certain type of brass that's not really that common. Uh mm-hmm. uh for the horn parts in this. Um but it was different and it was its own thing. Like, that's what I would probably say. This is probably my most, this is probably my favorite like scored horror movie. See, I, I think it's one of those things I'm going to have to try to listen to again, just to get a, a better feel for it. Cause like in my mind, I don't even, I can't even remember anything like, and I know it all worked because it wasn't distracting, but I just need to listen to it again, I think, or watch like, it again. It's, it's done very like, if John Williams were to do a horror movie, I feel like this is kind of how he would do it. <laughs> I'm serious. Cool. I mean, I think I think the scariest movie he did was Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, <laughs> was his score for that at least good? I mean, it's Indiana Jones, so it, it was so it was neat. It's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> So Ryan, you mentioned about the the decapitating birds and stuff that you wanted to get into. I don't well, know what you want to talk about with that, so I want to get into that. It's Charlie in the Ryan, Ryan has a hobby of just decapitating birds on in his free time. This is why he this is why you yeah. want us to watch the movie. It, it has to do with Charlie and just her whole uh-huh. character, and at the end, and the whole possession and payment or payment and all of that whole thing. Hmm. I feel like the reason why she was such an oddball was because she had a dormant demon in in her, and that's why her personality was so quirky. Um, first off, the first time I saw this movie, I couldn't stand her character, and when she died, I was partly relieved because I couldn't stand all of the... Yeah. ...was driving me freaking nuts. <laughs> Like, it was just one of those things that was putting me on edge right from the start. And I understand. I get it. Okay. I get. I get. I get. I get where that's coming from. I get her character. I understand what they were probably trying to do to set her up. But I feel like her personality was derivative from the fact that she had two souls in her. And I think that's why she was odd. Um, and I feel like that's why she was doing the weird things that she was doing with her drawing and the making of the models. Um, but when so I feel like that's why her character was so there, you know, like such an oddball, but it worked and that clicking worked throughout the film to kind of show where the spirit was and to kind of put you on edge, um, which at the end, the son makes that click when he gets up after he's been possessed. Uh, so, I mean, what do you guys think of that whole thing? So at first I thought the clicking was just the Charlie coming back as her brother. But the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, so maybe she was possessed because that clicking was maybe that was the, the eighth King of hell or whatever, (laughs) the pie man. Uh, I I, kind of want to like go through and figure out who's possessing who and what, where and when, and because who's possessing the mom. Okay. So the mom sleepwalks and she mentions in the, the group that her mom had a disassociated personality disorder. Mm -hmm. So pretty much on the spectrum of, of like, uh, of like having a personality disorder, like multiple personality syndrome. Um, the idea I took was that the mom suffers from that too. And that's where the sleepwalking came from. In fact, I feel that that other part of her personality knew what was going on, knew what her mother was trying to do. And that's why she tried to kill her kids with light, with paint thinner when she was sleepwalking. Cause she talks about how she uh, came to in the bedroom with the kids screaming all covered in paint thinner. And so was her. I think she was trying to kill her kids so that they wouldn't be used by her mom in this whole ceremony. Um, one of my thing for this is that she also mentions that her brother at 14 committed suicide by hanging himself in his mother's room, which because he said in his suicide note that she was trying to put other people in him. 
the whole idea of this payment payment thing is that you put it you you put the spirit of payment or payment um, as a dormant soul into the host and originally it needs to be a male host it said that in the book that they were reading that if it's a female host he becomes vengeful and irritable and just a mean nasty well, person and, and charlie even said grandma said she wanted me to be a boy exactly yeah. i that messed me up like Makes once i knew what yeah. it was like i was like oh man okay yeah. so i've i've got a take on all of this okay um i think the dissociative uh personalities I think those are just other spirits, like dormant souls in there. Because you have to go back to the title of the film, which is Hereditary. And Hereditary is an, uh, passing or, or capable of passing naturally from parent to offspring through the, the genes. So like, I think the family, like from the grandma down, has always, always has something else living in them. That's why the dad is like on the outskirts and like seeing how crazy all of this is and his reactions to everything. That's my take on it. Like there's something living in all of them and it just becomes more active. Which, I mean, it's definitely possible because the whole thing about this possession is that he takes control of the most vulnerable at any moment. So they show that light, that 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 like sonar thing that happens. Mm -hmm. And every time that happens, in my mind, that's that's payment. Like, that's yeah, I think that's him. him. Um, and to give an example, uh, the mom throws the book in the fire, lights dad on fire. That sonar thing happens. She's screaming. You know, she's distraught. She's screaming. She becomes the weakest family member at that moment. Mm-hmm. She gets possessed. That's why her face goes from like screaming to dull. And by the way, that was done in one take. And that's why I love Tony Collette. Even- and the director didn't even tell her what was going on. Like he was, he, well, he told her what was going on. He didn't tell mm-hmm. her what his idea behind it was. So she was screaming bloody murder. And then he basically yelled off, you know, like behind camera, the lights in you. And she just went, Duh. that wow. was all done in one take. So, I mean, there's that. But anyway, um, <laughs> she gets possessed and then, he does to her what he does, and then he eventually goes into the the sun. But, I mean, that's definitely possible. And the director even said that he kind of made this to be, like, he put certain things into it that are concrete to the storyline, but then there were other things that he's like, this is up to you. And one of those things that we talked about a little bit is, like, I read somewhere that like a theory is that we never actually see Charlie's real personality that like by the time we enter the story, Charlie is completely taken over by the demon and we are just seeing the demon controlling her body. We never see who she is at all. Like as a little girl, which that's fair. That messed me up. I liked that a lot, which makes sense when the cult leader says, Charlie, it's okay. Charlie, in the treehouse. Yeah, that's right. Because she first refers to it as Charlie and then says, Hail King Payman. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Plus, if you look at how he's standing, when he crawls up and he's looking around, it's not shock. It's not, well, I mean, it could be shock, but he's just looking around and he's holding his hands in front of him the same way Charlie did in a few scenes before she died. Like he has that posture. And last night, I rewatched that ending a few times, and I really think that actor was trying to portray the character that the actress was trying to portray. No, I think you're right. I think they, it almost seemed like they were given the same direction. Like, Yeah, and I, I, I feel like that's what he was trying to do. I feel like the dormant spirit in Charlie was so was there for so long that it molded the two personalities together. I don't know. I like that. Well, the one weird fact I heard about this movie is that Alex Wolf, the son, uh, went meta for the movie and you could only refer to him as Peter. And he acted like that character the whole time, even to the point where he insisted on doing all of his own stunts, including really bashing his head against his desk, which I mean, Good for him, but like I can't imagine like 
being meta to the point where like you are walking around your normal day as a person that is being possessed or actively trying to be possessed by a demon like does that mean he actually smoked pot maybe i wouldn't be surprised hmm. i don't know okay can, can we talk about peter for a second yes I, i've got some issues well, let's do it okay okay so let's say i'm at a party i smoke pot I take somebody in my car to take them to the hospital and I, with me driving, they become decapitated. Mm -hmm. Once you face some charges for that, like reckless endangerment or something. You know, I was thinking about that and I don't know. Would you? I think at that point, it would all depend if one, the cops realize that you're high for one and two, in the story- and in and in the story, he went home, and there was a good probably six, seven, eight, maybe even ten hours before the mom finds the body, maybe twelve. And by that point, all of that's out of your system. Okay, even if you're sober, then like you're still, you still, your actions still end in your his actions still end in his sister being decapitated and dead. Like he's responsible for that. There should be some kind of legal repercussions for that. Maybe not murder, but definitely like reckless endangerment, manslaughter, like something. Well, okay. Yeah. So look at okay. So look at what happened, and this is where I truly believe there is a reason the word accidents exists. Mm-hmm. She's having a peanut allergy attack. She can't breathe. No EpiPen. He needs to get her to the hospital ASAP. They can't wait for an EMT. They can't wait for an ambulance to show up because they show they're in the freaking middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, he's driving pretty much in a straight line, trying to get to the hospital as fast as he can. Is he speeding? Yes. Um, does that cause problems? It does. He doesn't realize that she rolled down the window to stick her head out to try to get air. And in her Mm -hmm. position, I can understand that mindset. I can't breathe. I'm going to roll, you know, I I can't breathe. I'm going to roll down the window and stick my head out uh, uh, and stick my head out to get air. He sees something in the road and tries to avoid it because if he would have hit that thing going 90 miles an hour, that car would have flipped. And what happened happened. To me, it's a straight accident that the cops see this and they're not going to want to put that kid through any more trauma than he's already been through. Then it's got to be at least failure to report an accident. Then there might be like a fine. Yeah. Again, like, here's the thing. They show him in shock. I don't think he got any sleep. The, uh, the, uh, The ambulance shows up. The police ask questions. They realize that he's comatose because he's, you know, the way that he is and like i said before this movie gives you a bunch of uncomfortable truths people react in ways you wouldn't expect them to to you know react and he's a teenager and that's why i think they don't really show any legal stuff in the movie because to be perfectly honest i feel like this movie happens within like a week i mean i can see that i truly feel that the grandmother's funeral and the daughter's funeral or I truly feel that the daughter's death happens within 48 hours after the grandmother's funeral. No. they. So when the mother goes back to the meeting, mm-hmm. um, Joan says, I remember you from a few months ago. You came when your mom died. Oh, wow. So it's definitely there's definitely a few months in between. Yeah, it's still not very long, though. No. Do you know what I wonder, though? Because I... When researching the movie, I found a couple of things. Apparently, this movie could have easily been over three hours long, and he just like cut whole conversations from this movie. I wonder if like some of the things that got scrapped were like the real like percussion, uh, yeah, the real like not percussions, uh, repercussions of like some of the actions in the movie. And like maybe I think that would be cool. Yeah, but I'd watch a three-hour cut of this. I'd watch it any day. All right, so I have a few uh, more lighthearted things just so we can 
kind of end on a little happier note. Uh, first, in the words of her, in the words of James Madison, please. <laughs> uh, the first thing that I thought was hilarious and probably terrible was, and I don't know if you guys heard about this because it did make the news. This trailer was accidentally shown uh, in Australia prior to the movie Peter Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I don't. I don't remember hearing about that. But, oh man, I. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh man, I I don't know what's worse, like the, the kids seeing this or seeing uh, James Corden as Peter Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I heard the movie's terrible. I want one of you to change my mind. What I heard, Peter, Peter Rabbit, Rabbit was terrible. That's not going. Oh, to happen. I, yeah, it's no. not going to happen. No, no, no. It's just no. a terrible no. movie. No, no. Maybe, well, maybe if they ever release Peter Rabbit two, which was supposed to come out. At the beginning of COVID. But. Oh, that's right. It was. Yeah, I heard it's nothing but James Gordon being a jerk as a rabbit. Peter Rabbit, too. Rabbit tastes good with seasoning. <laughs> Peter Rabbit, too. Rabbit stew. <laughs> oh, I like those. Uh, the other like funny fact I have was uh, the actor that played Charlie. I was like, oh, a character actor. Got it. She's actually a Broadway star. Uh, she originated the role of Matilda on Broadway and won a lot of awards for it. And you, I, I did not know. I'm not laughing at the fact you didn't know she was Broadway. I'm laughing at the fact you were like, oh, here's a daughter. Here's a character that's pretty much extremely important. I'm just going to put her in the category of character actor. <laughs> well, See, I looked up her IMDb and there's not much there. It's like she's got to be like stage or something. Yeah. But that, so that makes sense. Well, here's she, the thing is like she's so good at what she does. But she just has this like naturally like creepy look to her that I was like, okay, she's probably acted in like 20 horror movies since she was eight. And like this is just her like her shtick and like didn't think about it anymore. That would be the girl from Silent Hill. But anyway. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the She actually has the same medical condition that the kid that that the one kid has from. Uh, the Stranger Things show. Really? Um, the one that's got like the tooth issue. The one yeah. who's like, I've got this or whatever. Like he actually has that, and so does she. So oh, wow. that's why she has that look to her, and oh, it works. It does, but now I feel like a jerk because I didn't know she had a medical issue. I was just like, there's oh. a certain look to it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like a jerk now. So thank you. <laughs> Start my day off great. Um, and then probably the last thing that I, I could bring up cause we are getting towards the end here. Um, they, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I heard that the casting crew and director said that this is a meditation on grief and drama, grief, sorry, grief and loss. Like the whole film just is. And I, I think I'm having a hard time rectifying that. I think I like the idea of it, but it's hard for me to piece together. What do you guys think? Do you see it? I, I, go ahead. No, 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 no. It's okay. You, you, you started first. <laughs> okay. So if you take away all the demon stuff, mm-hmm. I can see that. Like you take away all the possessions. If you, if you end the film before Jones, like oh, you got to come back to my apartment and see what I just learned. If you take away all of that, I can see that. Okay. I can see how it's just, uh, if you end the film there, I can see it. Like if you get rid of the whole back half of this movie mm-hmm. i can definitely see where it's that because it is just that it, it, that scene at the dinner table where they're just yelling at each other and the son's just like well she didn't even want to go to the party did she mom and the dad's like okay whoa let's just stop it right there yeah like you're seeing them deal with it from all different aspects um so yeah i definitely i can see that yeah, I mean, most definitely the first half of this movie is all about grief and loss. And ex- especially with her, like, you've got the dinner table, you've got mm-hmm. her debating to go into the grief and loss counseling session uh, a few times. One time she goes, one time she doesn't. Um, you've got her her reactions to stuff. You have the husband deciding not to tell his wife that his... that. Th- that her mother's grave has been screwed up and messed up mm-hmm. with, 
Like he decides not to tell her because she can't handle it. Like this whole thing is about grief and loss. In fact, I actually kind of like the way they did this here better than a movie that you really like that you want us to see, Devin. <laughs> but I can't – and I think that's why I'm having such a hard time with it because the movie that I want you guys to see is called Babadook and people say that it's about depression and loss and getting over it. And I think the reason why it's hard for me to come to grips with this movie being about it is because this movie is actually about that thing and the Babadook is a metaphor for it. And like, I think that I was looking for it as a metaphor and not as just like the plot. And I think that's why that was tough for me. Yes. And that's a, an example of a horror movie idea that I don't like. Yeah. But um, there is something that I want to bring up that has to do uh-huh. with this whole grief and loss thing. Something that the mom says to Joan. And I wrote it down as soon as she said it, because I was like, that's an excellent choice of words. She says, my daughter was killed. She doesn't say my daughter died. She doesn't say my daughter is dead. She doesn't say there was an accident with my daughter. She says my daughter was killed. It shows exactly where her mindset is about her daughter and her son. Yeah. It's a very specific choice to use the word killed in that statement at that point of time. Another reason why I love this movie. The attention to detail is incredible. The other scene that you just made me remember this other scene that really stood out to me was when the mom's dreaming about yelling at the son in his bedroom and like just laying it all out on the table. Like I tried to have a miscarriage. How? All the ways. All the ways. (laughs) I never wanted to be your mother. And then she just covers her mouth. Like I totally forgot that was a dream the second time I watched it. And I had the same reaction. Like I covered my mouth. Like what? Why did she say that? And then they show them soaking wet and you know, he's screaming like, why would you do that mom? I'm like, Oh, okay. That's right. This is a dream. I so forgot. Th- this reminds me, I, I have, uh, I, I now have two Alan's mashups for this movie. Yes. What are they? One is that scene. And it's just Jim Carrey from liar, liar. Like, Oh, can't lie. <laughs> Good. And the other is when the mom's in the attic, uh, sawing off her head, just putting in a uh, jump in the line from Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that needs to happen now. Or um, I'm gonna do I, it. I'm gonna do it. I love that. I love everything about it. I, I'm going to start a list, and by the end of the year, I'm going to put all these together. Hmm. That'll be so, part of our, our Christmas episode. There's one thing about mm-hmm. this movie, beginning and end, last thing I'll bring up. Oh, yeah. I love how this movie opens and ends visually on the treehouse. After the obituary for the mom, the first mm-hmm. thing you see as a picture is the treehouse through the window of the a workshop that the mom uses. The mm-hmm. last thing you see is a model-ish rendering of the inside with the son as Payman and all of his followers kneeling. I like that. It begins and ends with a shot on the treehouse. That is really cool. And I'm just trying to think if the... like. I, I want like broader implications now. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't have the answer to that. I, I don't yeah. I, I don't know if I'm gonna come up with it at eight in the morning, but I I like that and I wanna ruminate on that all day now. All right. Hey, we do we got anything else? I think that's all I got. All right. So yeah, I think that does it for Hereditary. Um, Ryan, are you going to be able to do an episode next week? Uh, probably, like, if we record, like, maybe later in the week, I think so. I mean, okay. I'll definitely be okay. home by, I'll definitely be home by, like, Thursday or okay. Friday. So, we'll, we'll play it by ear and I'll let you guys know. Okay. Okay. Well, how about, how about this? So, for the next episode, we're going to have a special guest on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to do something a little bit lighter, uh, something I don't think any of us have seen yet, but just dropped on Netflix. We're going to watch the Adam Sandler movie, Who Be Halloween. Oh, no. Oh, no, are we? No, no. Okay, no. <laughs> no, I saw I'm not mad the, about it. I saw the picture for that, 
and I went to Kristen and I'm like, knowing Alan, he's going to have us watch this. This is right up his alley. Well, here's my You're question. Not watching it. Here's my question: <laughs> Is this the Adam Sandler revenge movie that he promised after not winning for Uncut that's, Gems? That's what we're gonna find. I out. can't wait. So Ryan, if you're not available to do this, I, I've got I've got somebody on deck ready to well, jump in. So. I already have my next movie that I want you guys to watch for this. Okay. So I can tell you now. Well, go yeah. ahead and tell us because you you are next in the rotation. But just in case, okay. the possession. The possession. Okay. Okay. Good choice. That is that is the only tidbit I'm going to give you on this is this is a Jewish exorcism movie. Oy vey. <laughs> I don't think you're going to. I wonder if I've seen this movie. Remember, now. remember, Ryan. If you have to translate Yiddish to your phone again, you have to record it for us. <laughs> There's no need for that because, well, we'll talk about it during the. Uh... So I think that does it for this week's episode. Uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to us and leave a review if you can. Uh, you can listen to us on all your favorite podcasting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, other ones that are escaping me because it's <laughs> only nine o'clock in the morning. Tune in Alexa, uh, Amazon Music, Google go. Music, Google Podcasts, whatever it is for Google. I have an iPhone, so I don't know. Uh, uh, Stitcher Radio. Uh, you feel free to email us at you have to watch this podcast at gmail.com. And until next time for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And. <laughs> That's not even the right sound. It's close. What, what, what's, the, what's the sound? It's tongue clicking, not popping. <laughs> okay. Bye. Shake, 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 Sinora. Shake your body line. Work, 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 Sinora. Work it all the time. 